Think about it. It's a state dinner, the first black state dinner. It's like almost like a wedding. Are you going to go to your best friend's wedding in a sack? Right. No, that's not what black people do. We, we salute. Show <laughs> we show out. We And it's all for love of the couple, right? right. You're going to do your best to salute them, to cherish them, to cherish the moment they're in. That's just what black people do. Washington was not ready for it. Right. Hi, this is What's Next podcast with you, Mindy Francis. Today we have Desiree Rogers. Desiree Rogers is an influential business leader and has helped leading organizations reinvent business models and reach new and more diverse audiences with tangible results. The first black CEO and co-owner of Fashion Fair Cosmetics and Black Opal Beauty, and a former CEO of Johnson Publishing Company. Rogers is heralded for her uncanny business acumen and innovative approach to marketing and brand development. Beyond her experience in the private sector, Rogers was appointed by President Obama as White House Social Secretary, repositioning the White House as a people's house and implementing innovative activations. Desiree Rogers has received accolades, including Top 25 Women to Watch by Crane's Chicago Business, 50 Most Influential People in the Multicultural Market by Women's Wear Daily, and Top 50 Most Powerful African-American Businesswomen by Black Enterprise. What's next podcast? Please welcome the incomparable Desiree Rogers. You, Mindy, I'm here in New York. She is here in New York and (laughs) in the studio. Can you believe it? Let me tell you, this woman is busy trapezing around the world for good reason. And we're going to get into it. I'm so excited to have this conversation because I'm already inspired. I know everyone listening will be inspired and there's so much to talk about. I hope we can squeeze it in the time. We'll squeeze it, girl. (laughs) Let's start. Let's start. So with Chicago's ABC7, you were quoted as saying, as a young child, when people asked what you did and what you wanted to be when you grow up, you said in charge of something. Well, clearly that rang true. Take us back to your childhood and yes. growing up and yes. your many ambitions. What was it like? Well, I'm from New Orleans. I have one brother. I come from a series of very strong women, um, in particular, my mother and her mother. And they started a business. And so as a young child, I would go to sit and have coffee with my grandmother. Probably more milk than coffee. right? You know, I'm like five years old. And she always looks so glamorous. My mother was the opposite. She wanted nothing to do with glamour. And so, of course, as even as a young girl, I like clothes. I like stuff. And so I always looked up to her and thought, God, she looks so amazing in her white outfits, not realizing she was a maid. And so over time, you know, as I got older, I was so in awe of what she did because she created a business with my mother. It was daycare centers. She saw that women in the 60s were going out to work and that they needed a place that was trusted for their children to be cared for. And so they wound up having three daycare centers in New Orleans, really being the mother and the kind of the comfort of the caregiver for thousands of people that now work in New Orleans and around the South. That's incredible. And so I saw the whole thing, you know, and so I was like, they're in charge. I want to be in charge. So as a young I was working. I never got paid, but I had to, I read to the younger kids and all that kind of thing. That's an absolutely beautiful story that I did not know about. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what's, what was next? How did you get into your business, your professional career? Yeah. So, I mean, they were running the business all up until Katrina. So that's how long 
the business was a staple in in New Orleans. So it's very well known, the business that they created. And so what they basically, my father, if I have to mention him, he wasn't in the business, but my father was an educator and a coach. And so he was very much the disciplinarian around education and the importance of education. And so I was always so lucky to go to really good schools in New Orleans. And so my mother, my mother said, you can decide what school my brother's going to, but I'm deciding what school the girl goes to. And she's going to go to the, what is the best school in the city. So I was like driven across town to go to this school in uptown. And if you know New Orleans, the Garden District of New Orleans, one of three black students. And so, you know, my job was really just to do well. So they didn't put a lot of demands on me outside of just doing well. And so, you know, that was my job. And so I really focused on my education. And then I was uh, lucky enough to get a scholarship to Wellesley College. And so I went to to Wellesley. So I left uh, the South, went to Wellesley, and then went on to Harvard Business School. And so that was really my my job. And so, you know, my father wanted me to be a a medical doctor. And I I just said, I don't think that's what I want to do. He was like, you're going to be working at the, you know, the soda shop. And you're not going to like those uniforms, young lady. You need to focus on medicine. I said, Dad, I think I'll be okay. And I was so excited to call him. I said, guess what? I'm going to Harvard Business School. I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay, Pops. <laughs> we're on our way. Yes, yes. So what did you venture into after that? Yeah, so I really still wanted to be in charge. I mean, that theme continues. And so while most of my colleagues were go- coming to New York, to be investment bankers and management consultants, they giggled at my idea of trying to manage something at that point in time. And so I did get a job at AT&T managing a group of about 200 people. That's incredible. And I took it. And they all laughed and giggled and said, you're going where? Chicago. You're leaving the uh, uh, East to go to what? The Midwest? Good luck with that. You'll be back. And I said, see, guys, you're going to buy companies and have companies, but you need someone to run those companies. So you'll be looking for my skill set in about 10 years. So let me go out here and try to make this happen in Chicago. And so that's really, you know, I was determined not to have a desk job. Right. And I was determined to go against the grade of what you might typically expect at that time a Harvard Business School student to do. I took my lowest offer and I was off to Chicago. And that's a very brave decision to make. Lots of faith in oneself. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I know. It was It was rough. <laughs> it was really rough. Yeah. So let's just move on further down the line. You worked at the White House. I did. Working at the White House as a special assistant and social secretary appointed to President Barack Obama was a historic moment in time. And you were a part of that. Looking back now, what would you tell yourself about that experience? I never could have anticipated how difficult it is to be friend and part of administration of a president. I would never advise it. <laughs> right. <laughs> People told me that before. They were like, why are you doing? I was like, well, you know, they asked me and I thought like, you know, this was what my, you know, kind of duty was because as I grew up, our family was very involved in supporting local politicians. And so that was something my father believed in service. And so it really, I come from a long line of people that, you know, believe in service. And so I felt like it was my time for service. I like to say I've worked for a president, a governor, 
and a mayor. I ran the state lottery for the governor of Illinois. I ran the tourism bureau for the mayor of Chicago. And I was um, the social secretary for a president. So I get it really well what goes into all of that. And so, you know, but it was history. I was a part of the first uh, group of people going in. First black president, a friend, he and his wife, the first lady. It was daunting, but it also will go down as a historic part of me being able to give back and me being able to take all of the knowledge that I had gathered up until that point to put it forward for them. And that is how I I looked at it. And I knew early on that I wouldn't be there very long. And I just pushed to the very end to do everything that I thought was right and correct. And in terms of honoring the first president, black president and first black first lady. And so I'm very proud of the work and the team that we assembled and what we what we did there. But, you know, first of all, it's a testament to your legacy. It's a part of your great legacy that you've already built, you know, and you continue to build. But it's that decision to move to Chicago because that's where those relationships were. Exactly. And you went right. against the grain. Folks giggled and chuckled, but you were able to build great success in your only in something going against the grain. That's right. That's right. And I coming, you know, every day walking on that, that colonnade, you see, I always see someone walking on that colonnade. And so the last day of me being able to walk on that colonnade easily by myself, I said, I'm going to do something different. And what that difference is going to be, I'm going to move into an industry that is supportive of my community. And so I'm no longer going to be in corporate. I am going to look for something that allows me to take everything I've learned up until that point and benefit my own people. Fantastic. So when I walked out that door, that's how it changed me. Yeah. I was like determined to be in the space of Black America. Right. And you and you have been, which is why I'm thrilled to say that you're the, as I said in the intro, the first Black CEO and co-owner of Fashion Fear Cosmetics and Black Opal Beauty, two brands that have been so integral in my life and upbringing. What was your journey to arrive to this groundbreaking acquisition? And and yeah. what has it meant to you? I mean, I'm so excited to get into all of that because there's so yeah. many layers there. There are. So, you know, I came back to Chicago. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I wanted it to be black. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was going to be black. Right. And so I was pretty determined about that. And so I went to work as a consultant for Johnson Publishing. And so I think we all know, we may not have known at that time, but there's a lot of difficulty there. And both parents had founders. They had never had an outside person, non-family member looking over their business and in managing, you know, in their business. They also had three businesses. They had the publishing business, the archival business, and they also had fashion fair. So what was the archival business? That is the archive that is now across the Smithsonian, the 5.2 photographs. Because Mr. Johnson was so amazing in that those photographers were hired by him and he owned the pictures. Right. And so they had this amazing archive of us, you know, from the 40s all the way to present day. And for those who don't know about Johnson Publishing, that is the the publishing company that founded Ebony Magazine. And Jets. Jets. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. And so... It, media was changing. And so I came in as a consultant to kind of think through, okay, with limited capital, what can be done? 
you know, what, what should we do? How do we transition from what was to what, what could be and what the future holds? Very tough and difficult decisions. A six year journey there, really hard decisions to be made. We sold Ebony and Jet magazine. We put the archive in great condition. It was in boxes. So we got it in, you know, in proper conditions, all sorted. We had archivists there for two and a half years sorting the, I mean, Mohammed would be on the ground with James Brown. I'm like, we got to (laughs) like, you know, pull this all together. It wound up being sold for 32 million. Oh my goodness. To a group of five institutions, including the Smithsonian. Darren Walker was right in the middle of all that. And so, you know, everyone will see it. Everyone should be able to see what Johnson Publishing created for us. And many times our history is not preserved. And so part of what I want to be a part of is preserving our history and what is rightly ours, which gets me into beauty. And so I left Johnson Publishing after six years. I figured I've done what I can do. And I was exhausted, to be frank, and I just needed a break. And so I exited and I began to think about my experience there and what did it mean to me and how would it color my future? And what I arrived at is as I was, I was, after being a consultant, was CEO for both Ebony Jet, so the media side of the house and the cosmetic side of the house. And so I, I said, you know what? I really liked not so much the cosmetics, but I really liked the intersection of beauty and women feeling good and strong about themselves. Regardless of what that look is, it's yours. You get to paint that look every day. It could be a lip gloss. You still did it. And so it could be lashes and the full glam. You still did. You're in charge. And I liked the power I saw when I would sit at the fashion fair counter and speak to women about everything from problem children, problem husbands, boyfriends and husbands, moms. We talked about everything. And so I thought like, wow, if I could ever see an entry into that world Perhaps I could like lend advice, counsel. People seem to think that I know how to put a look together. And so I said, you know what? I can, I think I could be helpful here. And it's fun. It's fun seeing women come to life because they feel like they've discovered a new color or they've never had a, the perfect match for their skin tone or they feel like they're free to ask whatever question they want to ask. And so I'd spent that time doing that. So I decided I wanted to go into beauty. I also, for most of my life, ran away from fashion and beauty, mainly because you know, I've been so criticized for, you know, oh, is she a glamour girl? I hate that. What does that mean? You when know, in a negative way. Woman. Yeah. You know, is she, why can't I be a glamour girl and a business person? You know, and so I always had been like taunted by being put in a box of glamour, beauty. I don't think anyone looks at themselves every day and say, I'm so beautiful. I'm so glamorous. I am I mean, I wake up with me. It's not pretty, okay? <laughs> and so all I'm saying is that's not how, usually how people think of themselves, but the perception and the, you know, kind of tags that people put on people have dogged me since day one. Back in New Orleans, I've even heard, dogged me. I've met many successful women who have shied away from very big media opportunities or partnerships because they felt that they wouldn't be taken seriously yeah. if they were 
featured in Vogue. Well, it's true. Or featured in no, Vanity Listen, Fair. I got so much criticism for what I had on at the White House. Right. You know, I got so much criticism for that. Guess what? Think about it. It's a state dinner, the first black state dinner. It's like almost like a wedding. Are you going to go to your best friend's wedding in a sack? Right. No, that's not what black people do. We, we salute. Show out. <laughs> we show out. We and it's all for love of the couple, right? right. You're like you're not you're going to do your best, you know, to 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 salute them, to cherish them, to cherish the moment they're in. That's just what black people do. Washington was not ready for it. Right. But let's get back to the the cosmetics. So <laughs> what I would say is that, you know, so I ran away from anything like that. So now I'm running into it. And so not only do people criticize the glamour and the business and want to tag you, but other women, unfortunately, become negative as well. And so you have two things going on. And it's I, look, I'm going to state it. It is a fact. I deal with it every day. Every day somebody's and, you know, typically it's women. Sad, but true. Anyway. Moving to the positive side, <laughs> I worked for two years to figure out, like, to buy a company. Right. Now, I know that sounds like a big Did thing. you know it was that company or no. just a company? I said, you know what? Guess what? I woke up. My daughter said, are you ever going to work again? Yeah. Get, what are you doing with yourself? I said, I have a plan. Just give me a moment. Give me a moment. And then I said, you know, Desiree, why can't you just buy a beauty company? Why, why can't you? You can, why can't you do it? And so I said to myself, that's what I'm going to do. And so there was lots of paths for two years, paths of talking to this one. You know how people want, you want to buy, talk to that, you know, run around over here, meet with this one, meet with that one. And so I did that, but I also had identified a company that I thought would be amazing because of the quality of their products, which was Black Opal. I knew Black Opal because they manufactured, not Black Opal, but the laboratory manufactured products for Fashion Fair when I was the CEO of Fashion Fair for Johnson Publishing. And one day someone said, oh yeah, we own Black Opal. I'm like, what? Who owns Black Opal? Because Black Opal was always used for television when I do television or anything like interviews. People had these little sticks in their bags, the secret stick in the black tube. I'm like, what is that? Black Opal, Black Opal. So I found who owned it and I pursued him for three years. Oh my God. Every time I was in New York, drinks, dinner, drinks, dinner, went to the same place, same table, had the same conversation, which was usually, no, Desiree, I'm not selling. No, Desiree, I'm not selling. And a friend of mine in Chicago said, you just have to, you never know. Things change. Just stay after it. That's the one you want. Just stay after it. So I looked at a lot of different companies, but I still kept coming to Black Opal because of the quality. And I also felt like the opportunity was there because it was built on really great products, both the the foundations and also their skincare, you know. And so anyway, I got a call one day that he had decided to sell me the company. That's the good news. The bad news, he was dying. Yeah. So that's how I originally was able to purchase Black Opal. And I called my friend Cheryl, who had worked with me at Johnson. I said, do you want to be a part of this? She's like, a part of what? (laughs) I was like, a part of this beauty thing. And she was like, okay. So we bought the company together. And about three months later, we saw 
that fashion fair was on the auction block, was in bankruptcy. And we thought, geez, how can you allow this iconic community brand to go down or not be black owned at this point? We, that's ours. We built it. It was built with us. We had to attempt to put a bid in. So we, we put a bid in. And I honest, honestly thought we had lost the bid. I was like, well, we, you know, we were in a room. Our lawyers were like negotiating. And I said, well, Cheryl, we did our best. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, we tried, you know, we really tried to get it. I said, I'm just devastated. But she goes, no, girl, we won. We got it. And I was like, oh, my God, we did? Because I heard we didn't. You know, sometimes your mind, like you want something so much, your mind goes the opposite direction. I said, what? We did? I said, now we got to find money to pay for it. (laughs) But we got it. So anyway, so that's how that happened. That was 2019, right before the pandemic. Desiree, every Black woman in America, in the world, (laughs) that knows about Fashion Fair, their hearts were just in the... (laughs) out their chest listening to that story. That is something that in no measure, while it was personal, was something done for you. Impossible for what that brand means. You did that for your community. I mean, I'm telling, I thought I lost. I was like, you are a loser. (laughs) I was slinking. She goes, no, 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 no. Then I was scared because then I was like, oh my God. I got it. And I immediately thought, I said to myself, what would Eunice do? Eunice being the founder of Fashion Fair. And so I, I knew Eunice and I started channeling like, what would she do? How would she handle this? So every decision that we made early on, every packaging, every product, all of the names, Everything that we did, the gondola and what it looks like, which is the displays that you see, all of that was done with saying, what would Eunice do? If she were here today, what would her decision be for this brand? Because she created it. And so that's how I think about every movement. You know, what would Eunice do? That's the question. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so, I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) So what is, what's the brand today? So, you know, Fashion Fair has been relaunched. It is now at Sephora and at Macy's. Macy's has always been home base. And so what we've created is a combination of the traditional and iconic brand products that have served us so well, but upgraded them. And so we worked with a black dermatologist on every product and said, hey, here's what we had before. What does that look like today? What's the innovation? You know, how do we ensure that this is the very, very best that we can bring to our community? No clogging of pores, brightens the skin, helps with oiliness, reduces pores, all of the things that are problematic to our skin How do we make certain that all of these products have dual functions? You not only look fabulous, but you're not damaging the skin in any way. So there's no fragrance in anything because many of us are very sensitive to fragrance. My mother's a darker woman. You put any fragrance on her, immediate breakout. It's very sensitive skin. 
And so we did things like our primer serum. It's two in one primer and serum. It's a peach tone. It goes on every skin tone miraculously. There's no rubbing something white into your skin and you're like, Jesus, I still can see it. There's no gray cast to anything. And so everything is very thoughtful at the next level of expertise. There's a very big difference between ingredients available in 1973 and ingredients available in 2023. So hiring the very best to work on our products and have it geared to deeper skin tones, deeper, diverse skin tones. You know, we don't make product, face products for a Scandinavian woman. We just don't. That's not our orientation. So many times when we go to the manufacturer, it takes us a bit longer to get products because we're the only ones ordering those ingredients, even though we know on the market there's many diverse companies that offer a wide range of skin tone products. Right. You're focused on women of color. Right. Right. Or men. Or and men. Girl. <laughs> or we not identifying. We're not you know what? We are not doing all whoever wants to come by, come on by. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your marketing strategy. It's been pretty phenomenal. There's so much to talk about. You've had so many great partnerships. So you are coming into the market in the midst of a pandemic. You buy this thing 2019, it's 2020. 2023. So Mm -hmm. much has happened in Mm -hmm. the last three Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Well, it took us a while because we had nothing. We had the name. Fashion Fair had been out of the market for three years. And so we really had to start from scratch. I knew the products because I worked there. And so I knew all of the products very well, intimately. I knew the products and I also knew what consumers said about the products. So we first developed what are we going to come out with first and what's going to be new? The primer serum is new, but cream to powder, number one seller. Lipsticks, always amazing for fashion fair. Stick foundation, always okay. And I said, no, sticks, we got to do something with sticks. Sticks going to work. Loose powder and pressed powder. And so the first thing you have to think about, what's the packaging going to look like? Right. And I thought, well, the packaging has to feel glamorous. It has to feel contemporary. It has to feel elevated. Like when you take it out of your purse, you get a like, yeah, it's mine. Right. You know, you know, we, we want that. Yeah. It's mine. It needed to be like not offensive. Right. Like, what does that mean? Some, not some crazy color that some people are going to like and other people weren't going to like. We did put in a green inside of the box because green means new beginnings. Green means the future. Green means money. Green means, you know, everlasting, you know, growth. Right. And so you see this amazing green on the gondola and inside. So that is our fashion fair green that we created. Right. And so you did, we did all of that. We took the name and upgraded it and updated it and made it more contemporary. So we do like the FF circle, almost like a Greek key around the lipstick. And so are some of the most subtle feet, but just ever on your lips. Pumping as well. Such a great range of colors. They're so rich and deep. Well, you know what? People say, you know, I said, if I could, I I really, it's important that some of us have darker lips. Right. We want the color to show up. I don't want to get home, thought I bought pink, and I come out with something I don't know. Right. You know, that doesn't work for us. And so Fashion Bear has always had amazing lip colors. So we introduced the top 15 colors, same names, and then we added nudes because today women like a nude. And right. so we created all of these nudes. We'll continue. Fashion Fair probably had a hundred lipsticks. So we'll continue. Mats are next. 
you know, we did do the uh, lip teasers. We just launched those and shapers. Shapers were also, which are pencils, basically. And so we'll continue to bring out what sold and what was great, but also modernizing and keeping our eye, you know, open for what are some of the new trends? You know, the no makeup makeup. We have an amazing liquid coming out. That is what I think is one of the best on the market today. And we took that even higher. Okay. For, for deeper skin tone. So we've got that coming. And you know, the primer, I can't live with the, pr- the primer is every day. It, I have to buy three. The primer. <laughs> no, the primer is everything. The really, the primer is every, I use it every day. Your primer is everything. And I, I really feel like it maintains the skin I'm in. Yeah. And so fashion fair, the marketing, you asked about the marketing, you know, what the fashion fair is really the community's brand. And so how do we bring that to life? Fashion fair sits at the center of fashion glamour and beauty. And here's the new one that Eunice, it came to me, hot topics. And so that's where fashion fair sits, inspired by black women, not only for black women, but inspired. We're always going to be inspired by the fashion, glamour, beauty, and hot topics associated with black women. Right. You, anyone can come in and join us, but that's where we sit. And so the hot topic right now for us is health. And so we know, I know personally, I'm a breast cancer survivor, that black women are dying 41% more when they get cancer, breast cancer, than their counterparts. That's got to end. That has got to end. And so we have associated ourselves with the American Cancer Society. Congratulations. And we will be working with them to make certain that we're getting information out. Sometimes you just don't have the information. Sometimes you you just are nervous. You know, fashion fair is a safe place to go first and get like, what are the trials in my area? You know, what are the questions that I want to ask? But maybe I I just going through the fashion fair portal feels a little safer to me. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, it just makes me feel a little bit better in some some way. And so we want to be a conduit for getting out the information. We also are raising money for their cancer initiative for our community. And so we're doing something in December, but maybe it will all, it will continue. The first tranches, you know, every lipstick is 10% is going to American Cancer Society. And so we want to continue to do good work for our community and continue to bring groups in our community together. We're working with seven presidents of organizations, including the Deltas, the Lynx, Jack and Jill, Anump Theta. I don't want to miss anybody, but there's seven of them. Yeah. And so it's historic in that we've all come together to do this work. Right. Now, all of them have been doing the work on their own, but it's like our little village of why can't we hold hands? Why can't we do what we do? But in addition to that, get that propelled to even a higher level because now we're all doing it and pushing the same message together, which doesn't often happen in our community. And there's lots of reasons for that. I'm not blaming anyone. This country has made certain that we fight and battle each other. It's time we get smarter and stronger and hold hands and do the work we know we are born to do and can do without any shame and without any regret and, you know, just move it forward. And so I'm super excited about our collaboration with American Cancer Society. You'll hear much more about that. It's multi-years. And so we are really excited about focusing on health as our 
as our hot topic. And then you've seen we were at been at all these fashion shows, Sergio Hudson, always supporting him, Hanifra. We were in D.C. with her, with her bridal collection. Which was absolutely So we're going to always be, you know, true to who we are, fashion, glamour, unapologetically beautiful and spectacular. But we also think it's also important that we not shy away from those things that are super important for our community. And health is the next one will be finance. Okay. You know, and so we really need to create spaces to have those conversations where people can talk about things that may not be as, I don't know, easy, that are difficult topics, but there's so many of us that know and can lend help and can say, oh, meet this person. So we got to create that network where we're helping one another and there's no need for competition. There's plenty of room all across the table. I tell all of my colleagues that are running other independent makeup and hair care companies associated with this community Ladies, let's not fight over the pecan pie when there's a whole sweet table. Right. You know, so so I'm hoping that that is also part of the message of us that are in this space. There's plenty of money. We just need black women to come and buy because the other sad truth is we spend 70 billion. Unfortunately, most of that is with companies that are not led by people that look like us. Only 0.5%, 0.5, not five. 0.5%. So every time you think about buying a product, you should really think about supporting someone that looks like you because that money we know is coming back to your community. Could be a internship for your child or grandchild or, you know, investment in your community, jobs. You know, there's all kinds of ways that that money cycles back to us. And we all know that economics is so important to us continuing to be successful in our own journeys, in our children's journeys, in children around us, in helping to pull up our brothers and sisters that maybe aren't doing as well as we're doing. We got to get that money back filtered into our community and stop with the, I feel better because I'm carrying X or I feel better because I'm carrying Y. That's all a part of the indoctrination of the African-American. People say to me, fashion fair, I, well, I think my grandmother wore that. I said, mine did. And she was fabulous. I said, was yours fabulous? I said, I see a Chanel bag on your shoulder. That's at least a hundred plus years old, that brand. Why not have a brand like fashion fair? That's 50 that we own. So it's investing in us. It's trusting in us. It's being proud of us and being the supporters and not the, you know, distractors. I like uh, to think about people and, and giving people advice. You want to be an illuminator. What is an illuminator? An illuminator is someone that shines light on someone else. Yeah. And so we all need to be illuminators in our own right and take back what is rightfully ours and protect our history Simply, we go back to the archive that is protection of our history. Had those photographs been lost, we would have lost, you know, I love the Muhammad. We would have lost Muhammad Ali frying chicken in his kitchen, you know, or James Brown in his do-rap, you know, or getting zipped up in his jumpsuit. All of these are our history. We need to protect it. And this, this company is part of our history. And we have all got to pitch in to protect it. Ladies and men, 
You got girls, women in your life, buy them something. (laughs) Everything, everything. This is amazing. I just think it's really wonderful that going into this new year that, you know, folks hear that you, you can make an impact and a difference no matter what industry you're in or where you are. Do what you can with what you have and choosing with a beauty brand to focus on community from a health perspective and a financial perspective is a fantastic, obviously, use of the platform that you have. And I can only expect and imagine for it to be tremendously successful, especially using the moment to corral supporters through who are doing the same thing in right. similar organizations. You know, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. It's new. And it's not without its challenges, but I Nothing really, is, right? I really think we have an opportunity here with this health, health initiative. And we're just getting that one off the ground. And so my fingers are, are crossed. I am confident we will save lives. I'm confident of that. I'm confident that we will give women the confidence that they need to, if something doesn't look quite right, to seek help earlier, because that's what's happening with us. You know, we may figure out something, but we, you know, not so certain, you know, we want to go and really find out everything, you know, and I've counseled many women on this. I'm in the middle of two right now. You know, it's just like you prioritize your help. But if something's not, you got to find it's It's better to find out early. I know we don't want to know, but this hides your face and find out anyway, because then you can figure out like, what do you need to do? Right. And I think that, you know, so health is a very important given the statistics we see now. Even childbirth, all of these things. I mean, it's just important that we take care of ourselves. I always say, if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. So we got to get that right. And then I think finance is something that we kind of are skittish about. We don't want to talk about, you know, we don't, we don't want to ask the questions or we're not exposed. We just don't know where to go. You know, you know, I was lucky. I said I wanted to buy a company. I found the money. Well, what is that journey? You know, and so you cannot be afraid. You know, you have to be able to have access to information, have access to be able to ask the questions you want to ask without shame. No matter, it doesn't have to be a, a gazillion dollars. It could be a thousand. What do I do with it? I got an extra thousand dollars. I have an extra hundred dollars. What should I do with it? You know, and so those are the kinds of questions that we need to create a safe space for that people don't feel embarrassed or say, I lost my money. Now, what do I do? You know, do I buy or rent? Do I lease the car or buy the car? You know, my child, I want to do this for for their education. You know, there's all these things that other people may have access to by the snap of their fingers because their parents already did it. And so it's not a big thought to them. Their daddy's a banker. You know, they know how to get a deal done. Not we don't all, we don't have, have all that. that and so we need to make certain that those of us that not me, those that I know that are in that, all those Harvard people that went to New York. Right. Let we get them on the line and get them to help and help educate us and help direct us to those um sources of information that can be helpful to our community. Right. Toe the line. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, obviously we, you mentioned some of the creative ventures that you guys have at Fashion Fair and Black Opal have been aligned with. And the color purple has been such a celebrated film, the remake of it. And with award season upon us, mm-hmm. there's so much 
action and activity. And since I follow you on social media and was pairing <laughs> your story, I noticed that Fashion Fair has a partnership with The Color Purple. Yes, we are the official makeup sponsor for The Color Purple. That's incredible. And so we are so happy. I mean, think about it. This is the second um, generation 20 years later of a story that talks about the essence of beauty, of women supporting one another, of people coming into their own beauty. That's the whole story, right? Celie sits at the middle of someone who, you know, has been told all along that she's not enough. And you get Suge who whips in and says, girl, please, let me show you the way. And then everybody else kinds of, kind of goes along, you know, squeak. And we've got, you know, uh, Sophia, you know, who is a different kind of woman. And so they all find their inner beauty and their outer beauty in Celie's pants, you know, as you move through the show. So what better makeup company to be associated? The fashion, the beauty, the glamour. And 50 years we've been here doing this, what better than to have the two of us together? We've always been at the center of saluting Black women. And I think that this film is transformative for certainly for me when I saw it the first time. And I have to say, seeing the new version, you know, it's transformative again in a very different and contemporary way. The same way that we believe that we're going to sit at the center of beauty in a very different and contemporary way with fashion fair. And so it's full circle in a way they're doing it in film. We're doing it in beauty and making certain that we keep our heads on straight and talk about those topics that are important to us while we're applying our serum or our lipstick or our powders or our cream to powders. That is why it's important to have a powerful woman with vision at the helm of such a company. <laughs> so what are your, what are some of your insights for the beauty industry? I mean, now here you are, you've had your hand because of your affiliation with Johnson Publishing with Fashion Fair. You knew the products. It's 2019, you buy the company. You are now in Sephora and Macy's. What are you seeing in the industry? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are it's a, it's an industry in transition. How so? Uh, there are lots of independents now that are coming into this space. You're seeing some of what I'm going to call the, the older dogs struggling a bit. I think women are much more prone to try something and, you know, have 15 brands in their bag, always wanting what's the newest thing. You know, how is that going to make me better? So chasing after that, that new thing. And I'm not just talking about trends. You know, we all have trends. This year it's this or matte or glitter or whatever it is. But we're in a an environment that changes overnight because we no longer, the companies no longer completely control the narrative. We're not dictating. It is a conversation between company and consumer. And they will tell you immediately if they think it's good or not. And there are people out there that are following that that dialogue. And so the trick is, and it's really hard to get someone that has that kind of influence, but they're not pay for play, that they honestly believe in what the brand is doing, and they are part of the family to tell the story. They're not an imposter at the table pretending to tell the story to be paid. Right. 
That doesn't mean we don't want to pay people, but we definitely want the right people at the table. And as we're sharing the small plates that we have, they have to count for something. Right. And they have, we want you to be with us for a while. We want to invite you back next Thanksgiving. We want to, don't want to say, Oh, that auntie, she's not coming. <laughs> you know, she took everything and she's not coming. So it's, it's much more difficult if you think of it this way to build that community from that table to spread out than doing pay for play. Even if I had the money, I don't want to do pay for play. It's not authentic to what this is. This is everyone's. You know, and so I'm encouraging everyone to speak about it. Certainly, you know, we're working night and day to get as much money as we can to do what we need to do. But one of the things, you know, I'm thinking is important is not only social media, you know, and people will say the first thing my retails, you got to be on TikTok and you got to, you know, okay, okay, I got to be on TikTok. You know, if I could get someone on TikTok that made everything just go out the door, I would love that. Trust me. But I also think I have to be supportive of my black media. And I also think that the little dollars I have, the small plates I have, they're small now. They can grow if we work on this together. And so if you come with me for a small plate, I know you're going to come for medium, right? Right. And so that's the, that's the point is that we build this together. And so we're doing some of our first media buys with local stations to talk about you know, ourselves. And that's very different than what my retailers will be recommending. And so one of the things I think is I love my retailers. I love their support, you know, but sometimes it's really hard for them to understand our market and how we work. Right. And so many times, just like I went against the grain to go to Chicago, I'm going against the grain and say, no, I don't think that's going to work for us. We should try this. And so, and versus we always do this. Why can't you guys just do this? Well, it doesn't work for us. When I call and say, do you have black models? They're like, well, a few. I mean, if you notice, well, we don't use a lot of non-ethnic models. We just don't. And so I need someone that knows us, can do our hair, our wigs, our pieces, create our styles, not dress us like an imposter again of ourselves. Right. And so that's a more difficult, you know, thing sometimes, especially when I'm talking about small plates. Sure. I know who the big dogs are. I just don't have that kind of money Today. right now. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? And yes. so it's finding the talent to work in these businesses that are willing to give up themselves unselfishly at this point in the journey, you know, and, and that's not easy. And so I would say that, you know, I think that's not easy for any of us. And I think that, you know, there's going to be a correction. You're going to see some of us go away again. Right. Because it's just, just getting the capital, just having people believe that you're going to be able to do it, that you're going to have the momentum, especially when you're, they're comparing you to, let's say, rare beauty. Well, we're never going to be rare beauty, at least not that fast. Right. Right. You know, or, you know, some of these other companies that might have, you know, celebrities associated with them. We don't have that. And so it's just a different play. And I think we have to be patient. We need our community to be supportive for sure. Or otherwise it's simple. We just won't make it. Right. It's that simple. That's the reality. You know, that is the reality of business. They're not going to keep us if we're not selling. Right. And so that's the hard part. You know, so you can think, oh, this is also glamorous and this, but there's also the business side of it 
the worrying every month about, well, okay, where are we? What did we buy? Da, 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 da. That's the hard part. You know, I think I got more died die now that I took this job. My, my, <laughs> my, my style is like, okay, we got to get you back in there. More gray. I'm like, oh my goodness. But you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the reality. And that in my, in, you know, I'm so sad when I see numbers like 0.5%. You know, our, our friends that pull out like rare beauty. I'm like, are you kidding me tonight? That's what we're wearing. I just shamed them. I'm like, are you, please go in the bathroom and put that on. I don't want to see it. Oh, but I don't care if it's a gloss and I don't have a gloss yet. Then wear something else tonight with me. Right. At Thank least you. when you're with right. Right. <laughs> something. Really, girl? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't get movement. that. I don't get that. I get that we should all be able to do what we want, but I don't get that we don't have 15% in our bag. Right. That, you know, or that we're wearing, do it somewhat. When we buy a car, it's the same car. Why aren't you looking for the black dealership? You know, our insurance, all these basic things, legal advice, doctors, you know, how can we not support our own people? You know, but that's part of the indoctrination of the African-American. That's part of our mentality that we've been taught that something else is better than us, even though we're us. Right. You know, it can't be as great as da 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 Actually, I'm in the manufacturing facility. It's better. That's junk. It's got a cute package, but it's junk. You know, it's like, you know, Desiree, the straight shooter. I love her for it. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say anything about anything, but, you know, look at the packaging. Is it made in the USA? She's keeping it real. (laughs) So as we wrap, what insights would you have for business executives? I think today. Yeah. Number one. Think about what you're doing. What does that mean? You have a job. Think about it. Is it you? Do you like it? What are the things you like about it? What are the things you don't like about it? Be honest with yourself. And I believe you can be successful and not love a job. But make certain that you got that list of what you got to take care of yourself. You're in this for the long haul. And so even if you say, I'm going to be here for two years, get everything you can get out of those two years. Time waits for no one. So do not put it off. Do that. So next year I'm going to do, stop it with that. Make a little plan. I do like a little weekly plan. And if I don't get it all done that week, guess what I do? Move it to next week. It's Absolutely. okay. It's, you don't have to be the pieces because you didn't get it all done. Maybe something better came that wasn't even on your little plan. And so the other thing is flexibility. Being flexible and agile in this world. Things are happening so fast. So quickly, you know, you have to be agile. You cannot continue to worry about, well, I hope that was going to, well, it wasn't that. It, it, it just wasn't. So what are you going to do now? You know, so repeating and going over the bad things, learn the lesson, get the facts, move on, learn the lesson, get the facts, move on. Don't do it again. Be smart about who you surround yourself with especially who you surround yourself with when you talk about vulnerabilities that you have, insecurities that you have. You know, you want someone that's going to tell you straight is not afraid of you and is going to say, you know what? De- no, Desiree, wrong. You, what did you do? Okay, well, maybe I stuck one pin in her eye. <laughs> okay, then. So stop it. 
now let's get to the, you know, so life is like, you know, people, it's a journey. It's, you know, enjoy the ride. You know, there are parts of the roller coaster that are like easy. When you go around that bin, you're like, yay. And there are parts that make your stomach drop. You know, that's coming, but you're still on it, aren't you? <laughs> you're still on it. So you, if you think of life kind of as a roller coaster and just manage yourself through the ups and the downs, surround yourself with people that can be helpful. And also I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to people you don't know. In today's world, you can DM anybody. And if they don't respond, then DMs the next person on your list because someone's going to answer you and help you out. And so the other thing is don't let fear get you. Sometimes we're so paralyzed by fear. Like if you DM somebody and they don't DM you back, who else going to know but you? What is this be all frightened for? Oh my God, they didn't answer me back. So the hell what? Next. You know, you got to keep that kind of momentum for yourself, that around on the roller coaster. Don't stop the ride. Don't stop the ride. Enjoy the ride. And so that's what I would say. And get to a point, be very honest with yourself. You know, if it really is just not, it's not for you. Figure out how you move yourself to that next thing, you know, but learn everything you can in that process is super important. And I just think for me, I think it's super important that our black community supports our black community. We talk a good game, but we're not doing it. And it's really frustrating and makes me very sad, you know, and so I would say that, you know, we we, we got to make a change there. We have got to make a change there because we're just giving our money, just just taking it right. Wondering why people aren't do, they are not doing well because of you. You got, you know, some money, then let's let's just, you know, and don't just do it at Christmas. That's great, but that's not helping all year. You know, so let's think about ways that we can support one another in the work that we're doing. I'm not saying everyone's got to put on a kente cloth and be, you know, serving chicken at the dead. I'm not saying that. But let's just be conscious of the fact that Black Americans are not doing well in this country. And so what are Black Americans going to do about that? I'm all for the organizations that are helpful, but that's not sustainable. And they may help me in this way, but I really need this. And so, you know, I want people to be independent in a way that they can get what they want. And not everyone's going to be a business executive. But everyone deserves the right to have a job that they enjoy and that they're good at and that they can bring home money for their families and ensure that their children and whoever they're supporting are doing okay. And so that's what we really need to be, be focused on in my, in my opinion in 2024. Well, what are you most proud of, Desiree? I think this work I'm doing now. I'm in it. You know, I'm in it. I am not apologizing. I am not biting my tongue. I'm saying exactly what I think. You can take it or leave it. And hopefully you'll take it. <laughs> hopefully you'll take it. But I, I'm proud of where, what we're doing right now. It's hard. It's probably the hardest work I've ever done. It's exhausting. Some days I'm like, I don't know if I can put my shoes on. But I'm doing it. And so I'm most proud of this work and where it potentially could could lead. And I'm also proud of Black Opal as well. We haven't talked a lot about that. But Black Opal is a great quality makeup company 
that is affordable. It All the products are under $20, so you shouldn't have to be rich to afford the best. We just opened in 17 HBCUs. Wow. And so we're delighted to be in the bookstores. I know in my bookstore, I had nothing for me at the bookstore. And so sometimes you're studying, we don't have time to do it, but you want to still have your foundation, you know, and your lipstick or whatever. And so we've opened in 17 HBCUs. And we also have an amazing partnership with Big Frida. And I I think it's so, yeah, it's so important that we salute all people. And, you know, we've gotten a little bit of backlash for it, but I don't care. I mean, it is, I love Big Frida. She's from my hometown of New Orleans, and we are delighted to be able to support her and her her first beauty venture. So we have lashes, nails, and an eyeshadow palette that is, you know, super bright colors and really wonderful shades. And so we're delighted to be a part of that. I've got on my what are these called? Down girl lashes today. Oh, is that right? And I tell you, I loved um, love the partnership with Big Frida. If you want to say we're here, we're back, we're modern, that's one way to step on out and let everybody know that, you know, Black Opal and Fashion Fair are here to stay. So what are some of Black Opal's hero products? Their hero product is definitely the stick. The stick foundation is really everything. Yeah. I mean, it is can it's it has first of all SPF protection, which is very it can create gray cast on deeper skin tone. No gray cast, no matter how dark you go. I, I think our darkest shade is ebony, which is really really dark. There's no grayness to that. It glides on perfectly. You can use it for contouring, for highlighting, or all over coverage. And it's great travel. It's great just during the day to you know have it to touch up a little bit. And so. That is the hero product for Black Opal, but we've also added a lot of color. Eyeshadow palettes, pencils, lip pencils, eye pencils. And I think our new hero product in coming out in January is our stay all day spray. Oh, and so we have a great spray. We worked on two years that keeps your makeup fresh. And so look for that from Black Opal. I think that's going to be a winner. Well, it sounds like you guys have so much more in store on the roadmap for 2024. So it's going to be exciting to see and watch this journey and keep women like me looking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so Black Opal's at Alta, Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Target. That's everywhere. Then. <laughs> you should have no problem finding no problem. Black Opal. No problem. Which I love so much. Yeah. What a great way to start the year. Desiree Rogers, everyone. Desiree, this has been so fantastic talking to you. It's such an inspiration. And I know your leadership is going to inspire others to lead and build and support and operate in the ways that you just discussed with us in this last moment. Well, I hope so. Yeah. How can folks find you? They can find me. They can follow me on Instagram. I am that Desiree is my handle. And certainly they can follow us on fashionfair.com and also blackopalbeauty.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. 